LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Five Leadership Questions Podcast. I'm your host, Chandler Vinoy, here as always with the co-host, Todd Atkins. <laughs> what? And today we are joined by Trevin Wax. Trevin, what exactly are you doing over at NAM these days? I am enjoying being uh, Vice President for Research and Resource Development. So we get to do a lot of free resources that we give away, uh, courses, podcasts, apologetic stuff, anything that's going to help pastors, evangelistic tools, all sorts of stuff. So yeah, great to be part of there. As well as the New Churches podcast, which right, right, New Churches, yeah, we we still do New Churches podcasts. I I still do that one from time to time, and one of really our esteemed it. guests, yeah, yeah. Well, today we are excited to have Trevin with us, and we're going to be talking about how to address culture as a pastor. I mean, this is definitely a big topic that we all are trying to wrestle with and figure out how to navigate. So, Trevin, we're excited to talk about this with you. We're just going to get started with this. Why is this important to the church? <laughs> Well, you know, we're not, uh, I, I think as uh, people who live on mission and want to be um, people who are seeing the kingdom of God extended, people come into faith, all of this, it really matters that we think like missionaries. And so if you're going to think like a missionary, you need to think like, what, what's, what's the world like? What is life like? What are the people like in this location that I am called to serve? So that's like the fundamental question that we expect a missionary who goes overseas or to some other place in the right. country, we expect them to ask that question, right? So one of the things I'm constantly telling pastors is y- you've got to ask that question. Like, what's your town like? What's your, you know, what are the values? What are the hopes and dreams of the people? that you're seeking to reach? What are the aspirations? What are the areas of brokenness? Particularly, what does brokenness and sin look like in your context? Like, these are questions that we we ought to be wrestling with because right. we're we're called to, uh, to to speak the truth in a in a particular time and place. So that's why I think this question matters because doing cultural exegesis, you know, actually like exegeting the culture, understanding, analyzing the culture that that matters uh, for us if we want to be really compelling as people who bring the truth of God's word into an encounter with the people that we're, we're meeting with. So obviously, you know, you working with Nam, one of, one of the things that Nam does and is known for is planting churches. Right. Right. What does that look like for in a church setting? How would you say, would you say go about exegeting culture locally? Yeah. You, I mean, it's almost like when you talk about research, you almost have, you, you got to think in, in two, uh, two ways. You, you got to think kind of quantitative and qualitative, which is the nerdy way of saying basically yeah. you surveys and demographics are really helpful statistics, right. but then also qualitative meaning like actually talking to people. <laughs> like, right. like you can, you can study the demographics all day long and not actually know how to talk to your neighbor. Uh, or you can actually meet just individual kinds of people and not actually know like the bigger trends of what's happening in the place that, that you're, that you're seeking to, to, to be a gospel presence. So I think, uh, doing some of that or, and I mean, no one, I don't want, I don't want pastors listening to this to feel burdened that they suddenly need to have like this and like be awesome as researchers. Like everyone's got their gifts and their competencies. Um, what you want to do is you want to surround yourself with other people and you want to lean on people who are able 
able to, to, to help you interpret the culture around you so that you can uh, uh, bring the gospel to bear on the particular questions that people are asking, the questions maybe people aren't asking, but should be asking, like, how do you get into, like, how do you really understand how people live and think and behave and why, and what are the values are in a society? And you need, you get that through conversation. You also get that through, through, through some stats and that both of those are, are, are important. You know, we want to ask like, what are some best practices, maybe even some opposing views, but I know for you, like you're constantly thinking about culture, even writing about culture and trying to help other, you know, church leaders and pastors or just even everyday Christians figure out how to navigate yeah. this world that we're living in. So take us actually, before we even just overall best practices, take us into your best practices, like how you're sitting down, you're thinking about a topic. How do you go about saying, okay, this is what scripture says. This is what the cultural moment says. Here's how I should look at this from a biblical worldview. Yeah, um, I mean, the way you put scripture and culture together there is similar to, you know, John Stott and others have, have said that you want to read the Bible and your newspaper, you know, back in the old days when we read newspapers. <laughs> but, you know, basically, you want to you want to read the Bible and you want to see how it like, what, what's the connection between that and the actual events uh, that we have. So first and foremost, the Bible, because the Bible is foundational. The Bible is authoritative. Like that's, that's the God-given message that we've got that we want to share that we want to deliver we want to extend so so yeah you, you got to start there and i tell pastors like don't be so obsessed with exegeting or analyzing the culture that you miss the bible like the bible is the more important uh focus that that you need to have but then there's some there's some guys who just get so wrapped up in their commentaries and how the bible all fits together and like the little bit and like they they never actually like they will uh, and I, and I've, I've heard, I've, I hear pastors occasionally who are like super enthusiastic about what it is they're finding in God's word and their study, you know, 30 hours a week or something. But like, you can tell when they preach, they've not actually talked to people in the congregation a lot, or they don't, right. they, you know, they don't, they're not connecting what they're excited about seeing in the Bible with what's actually going on in the lives of people. So I, I, I tell pastors it's, it's important to have like, from a best practices standpoint, um, multiple tracks going at once where you're studying and you're getting better at interpreting God's word, but then you're also doing your very best to ask questions like, why is this song so popular right now? You know, why is this movie taking off? Why is this type of story being told everywhere? Why are people so politically polarized? Why are like, what, what's happening? What, what's happening among young people uh, uh, today, like on social media, what are some of the trends we're seeing? Like asking those questions of why leads you into that, that deeper conversation where you can, you can start to tease out what, what are the, what are the aspects of the culture that the Bible has a redemptive message for? And so I, I think it's vital. I think it's vital that we ask um, those questions so that we bring scripture uh, to bear. And it takes some time. I mean, it takes some discipline. Like you've got to, you've got to be, you can't just be watching TV to watch TV or listen, listening to music just to listen to music. Like you're, you're doing that. But at the same time, you're asking the question, like, why does this resonate? Like right. why here? Why now? why is this a big deal? You know, maybe stuff you're not even interested in. You just want to know, like, why are so many people sharing this kind of video right now and things like that. So I think, I think that's, um, asking that kind of question helps you bring some of the cultural expressions and things that are out there helps you get underneath to interpret like what's, what's actually motivating people. So it seems in this present age, there's very extreme on both sides. And as pastors, it can feel like, Hey, I kind of want to just 
not talk about these things or I don't, I don't want to step on the landmines that I know is like, I know many pastors I've talked to where maybe they even resigned from a church because some of the hostility mm-hmm. because of cultural issues. How do you, how do you navigate that? I mean, I know for some, it's like, man, I just don't even want to touch that. But there is a point, like I was talking with somebody, I said, if the church is not going to speak into this, then who is? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it, when, when we say cultural issues at some, at some level, any application is at some level cultural, right? That we're, we're applying God's word to today. It's, it's, you've got some kind of cultural application, but I think you're, you're talking specifically about controversial contested cultural issues. Right. Like, you know, I mean, obviously all the debates that are happening right now around race and justice or gender and sexuality and things like that. Um, and even some, you know, and th- there are the, day to day or the, in the last couple of years have been all sorts of things that have arisen, like debates over the best policies around COVID. And did we shut down long enough? Did we not shut down enough? Did we, you know, masks, no masks, vaccines, no vaccines, all all those kinds of things. Um, I, I encourage pastors, um, to not shy away from contested issues when it's necessary that, that they speak to them. We, you, you can't, for example, ignore the gender conversation because the culture is not ignoring the gender conversation. If you are not, if we are not having conversations at some level through preaching, through teaching, through conversation, it doesn't have to be every Sunday, that kind of thing. But right. if we're not speaking to that, you better believe the world is like, that's, there's no, um, there, there's no way around some of the hot button issues that, that we have without us actually not, not addressing the issues that our people are wrestling with. Um, so on the one hand that I, I, I'm, I, I totally say we've got to speak to certain issues, but the, 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 one of the real temptations of the pastor is not to just ignore it all. Like, like, like you said, uh, where you're just going to try to stay in your lane and not ever say anything controversial. One of the real temptations is that you become a pundit, not a pastor. And yes. you, you start to you, basically the expectation of the church is you're going to get up and you're going to share your views on all of these controversial topics, but you're going to, you've got to understand as a pastor, your views have an added weight because people look to you as the person who's most in the word of God. Right. And so you better be careful. I tell pastors a lot, like save your, thus says the Lord's and your, and your, your sermons and what for like the areas of scripture that are super clear and then do your very best to differentiate when you're adding some kind of like, when you're providing your perspective on something to make sure people know Hey, I'm saying this based on kind of how I see things, maybe, you know, wisdom and discernment that I've got, but this isn't a thus says the Lord. Like that a lot of pastors um, today, I think are, are tempted toward punditry um, and, and neither one of those silence and punditry, neither one of those is the right way. It's, it's gotta be a faithful principled, uncompromising, but stay, staying tightly tethered to the text of scripture as much as possible when, when we preach. Definitely. I think when, the scripture says something when the text says something and you're in a series or, or, or whatever, and you have the opportunity to address it, you do. If you want to do a special series, you know, on, on it, that's fine. You may want to do that on a Sunday evening or a Wednesday evening, um, and handle those and do a very deep dive. Like, um, I know, our church, that's kind of what we did. It was, it's 90 minute deep dive on these six different, you know, topics. And we're going to do them, you know, the first Sunday of every month. And we're going to make a big deal out of it and say, Hey, 
if you are a member and you've been coming here for a while or whatever, we want you here. This is important um, for you to do. So from a, you know, a best practice standpoint, um, I think that's, it's got to be addressed. And you're, you and you're doing it. Yeah. No, you're doing it. You're not shying away from it. You're the, I like, I like what you said there about, you know, having multiple opportunities, maybe different settings, not expecting the, you don't expect your 35 minute sermon on a Sunday morning to cover every single base you can no. cover. You can't, you can't do that. Uh, so then the question is not, what do I preach? The question is, how do I shepherd? Right. How do I disciple? What are the ways, the settings in which that works best? And I think you got a lot of variety there. Hmm. So next we want to talk about some real life examples. So, you know, we're kind of talking to like the controversial uh, cultural issues, but also just cultural issues, understanding the setting that you are pastoring in, the people that you are shepherding. What are some real life examples of actually being with the sheep, understanding what's happening in the world around you, all that kind of stuff? Yeah. I mean, you need, you got to be focused at some level on uh, what's happening locally, what's happening in the news, what's happening in where, and I, and, and frankly, I think different pastors are going to have a different intuition about this at different levels. Like at one, because we are so connected today and we have so much news, you could potentially speak every single Sunday to whatever tragedy happened that week. For sure. Every time or, or whatever big controversy erupted that week online. And I think we, I, I think we've got to, take a step back and recognize, you know, we, we, we need to have wisdom and prudence and, and the, the way that we're going to, we, at some level, you can't let whatever happens in the world dictate everything that happens in your, in your congregation or dictate the, what your message is going to be or whatnot. I try to, when I can, if I know there's been a big event, um, not really change much about the worship service, but maybe incorporate something into the prayer time or, if it, if it fits well into whatever I'm preaching, there've been, there've been multiple times when there's some big event that happened like right before Sunday and people are thinking about it, you know, where I'll incorporate uh, something about that into the sermon. It's not necessarily that I'm taking a position on whatever it was. Sometimes it's just acknowledging the news in a way that shows that you are, you know, that you're, you're helping, you're bringing the Bible to bear on things that are actually happening. Like it's, you know, that, that you're connected to, to what's going on uh, around you. But I think, I think you've got to look at the actual congregation and how affected they are by whatever it is. Like, obviously if you're in a town and there is a, you know, a, a, you know, a, let's say you're in a small town and there's a, a tragedy happened at the high school. A couple of kids get killed in a car accident or something in the, at the local high school football players or what, I mean, to not mention that in the prayer time or to not say something, I mean, would be almost incredibly tone deaf, you know, right. to, but I mean, if you're like in a major city and there's really no one affected in your congregation by, you know, news, several, you know, neighborhoods away or something that happened that is just, you know, so it, it, you, you've got to be able to actually know your congregation well enough to know what are people thinking about as they're here. Um, and then determine whether or not you're going to, you're going to speak to, to cultural issues. Um, from, my personal experience, you know, one of the things that, uh, we would do to look at culture, I'm going to turn this a little bit, um, was if we were going to plant a campus in a new area, I made the whole team go in and be there, uh, on a morning. So this was like three hour blocks, be there on the morning, uh, on a morning. All I want you to do is intentionally look and listen 
Um, so you're going in as a spy, okay? And you're going in for the morning. This is, you're getting there before people come out of their houses through, yeah. you know, the time they go to work. Uh, then I want you to go on uh, sometime during the day and on a on an evening. But the other big one was on a Sunday morning. Like you need to know what this neighborhood, what this area is like on a Sunday morning. Uh, and again, if you're just looking and listening, you're going to hear all kinds of things about cultural issues of the day. And you hearing that will make you be more sensitive in how you speak to those things in the culture as well. Uh, the other really practical thing um, that uh, that that I would say is I know we're not on practical, but we're on examples. Um, the other thing that I would use from a data standpoint uh, is called ArcGIS, and it gave me tons That's of great free yeah. great uh, resource free information demographics on stuff you're not even thinking about, not just age and, you know, stage and, and, and how many kids and, and all that. Uh, it has a wealth of information and it's available to anybody. So those kinds of things you can have in one hand, you know, your, your personal experience and, and then conversations with the restaurant owners and other people that are just there in the community. Um, and that data uh, and those two things, I think, will really help you speak into your culture a lot better. You know, obviously, those have to be th those national issues or world issues um, come into play as well. But you'll know how to address that within your specific culture if you go through a process like that. I think all of that, what both of you guys have been talking about right there, is just knowing the people that you're pastoring. Oh, <laughs> and yeah. also the know the sheep. We know the sheep. The yeah. city. Cool. Do you know the city? Yeah. You know what like they actually care about, you know? Right. That's, that's really key. Well, and sometimes it's actually more than one culture in a city. Like a lot of people yeah. talk about engaging the culture of the United States of America. And I mean, you mean cultures <laughs> like there we were. Uh, I mean, think about the country. There's just so many subcultures. And I, I mean, immediately everyone thinks regions, mm. even within regions, there's multiple subcultures. So right. the question really has to be the, the you need to be thinking plural cultures and you need to be thinking about the, the particular place and time God has put you in. So. How does this work in a big church context versus a small church context, or is it pretty much the same? Um, I mean, sometimes a, a big church context is going to have a little, you, pastors and staff may have a little more um, ability to do some of the, the deeper dives into specificity of different cultures that right. they're trying to reach. Uh, smaller churches, ten, pastors tend to have to be generalists, right? right. Like you just don't have, you know, you have, you, you don't have the the same staff, the same bandwidth. And so, I, but that's fine. Like we need both, we need both kinds. So you, you get a little more of the specialization in larger churches, right. but you get that general ability to minister across cultures and that cross-cultural experience that it can happen in, in smaller church environments is vital. Both of those are, are really vital. And, and frankly, I mean, leaning on people that have specializations to be able to then apply in general directions right. is really, is really good. Like we need more churches that are, that are doing that. So smaller can, are learning from, from larger and larger learning from smaller, I think. You know, as we, as I saw this question thinking about this issue, I thought of, I know you're a NAM, and I, th I think of church plants. Like, if they don't do understanding the culture well that they're planting in, like, it's probably not going to go well. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> for, I mean, for sure. Yeah. So, even just small church, I mean, just even the stage of a church where it's, I, I, honestly, you talk to a planter versus somebody who's in a more established church where it's like, well, we know who's coming, and we're not having, like, we're not 
having to make sure like we have a church. Right. So from an, from your um, position in NAM, is there anything that you want to speak to of like, man, we, this is what we trained our planters to look for and even just to think about through their training. You know, one of the things that I, I Vance Pittman's the president of Senate work now uh, at North American mission board. And he, he talks a lot about um, the, the need for first there to be the establishment of gospel presence in a city that then leads to just making disciples and the establishing of churches rather than let's go into the city with a bunch of Christians and start a church and then try to reach out. It's no go into the city and make converts, like right. <laughs> make disciples, you know, start lead out evangelistically. And then churches form through that. Um, but one of the things I, I like that, and I, and I know he, I know he did this and a lot of the churches that he's been responsible for is they'll go in when they go into the city before they have the church ready to, you know, start, they go into the city and they look for where there needs to be help. They go to the chamber of commerce. They go to, um, uh, you know, the schools, local schools in the area. Like where, where do we need, where can, where can the, the people of God that are coming into that city seeking to establish a gospel presence there, where can they be on the front lines of really ministering to that community? And you ask, people will tell you, people will tell you what the problems are, what the challenges are, where there needs to be some, uh, some, some, some work done. And, and the more you do that, it's, it's that servant evangelism, servant leadership type stuff. It really makes a difference when then you do start seeing people come to faith. You do start meeting together. You see that, that blossoming of a, of a church that begins to, uh, to form around there and a little, something a little more structured can happen. Um, but it's happened around people that have already a mindset of service and sending. I've been sent yeah. out to serve. So how can I serve? How can we uh, uh, reach out to others, share the gospel, see people saved? And then that church, it's very easy for a church to then move away from that sending mindset and away from that serving mindset to really be more about serving the, the needs of the people coming only, which obviously we want to serve the needs of the people coming, but only serving the needs of the people coming and not really seeing themselves as being sent out as much. And so that's the, that's the, the, the beauty of uh, church planting is it can really, can really transform even the church that sends out people. Um, we always wanted uh, the community. We, we always wanted their first impression was that they've come here to serve us, not save us. Because yeah. if you just show up and you, have flyers everywhere and you're, you're suddenly bang, you know, your presence is known. It seems like that's the posture yeah. that you're coming in, uh, you're coming in with. So, yeah, no, I, I, I like that. I think the, it's well, the way I look at it is a service is the platform for the sharing for, of the sharing of the message of salvation. Right. So you, you, you share the, the, the love of God so that you can then also share the message of God. That's great. I want to come back to what Trevin just said there, like just, that was a really practical step of who is it in your city, your town that you can reach out to that knows the city. Yeah. So you just shared that Vance did that. Um, the person of peace. That's what you're looking for. Exactly. <laughs> to the village. Yeah. Ron Edmondson, who's has a, a podcast on the, our network as well. He shared something along the lines where he got to know the police chief. And when they were looking to do missions up in Lexington, Kentucky, they were thinking of one avenue and he's like, we have so many people there. Mm. Would you mind looking in this other avenue? And it opened up this huge 
opportunity for this church to have an impact in the city and the culture issue. Well, hey, we hope this has been helpful to you and just even navigating. Maybe you're wondering what this looks like in your own uh, ministry. So we do hope this has been helpful to you. If it has, please leave us a rating and review to help other leaders like yourself find the podcast. And if there's a topic that you want us to address, just let us know. Feel free to reach out on Instagram, Twitter, wherever. And we'd love to hear from you. Other than that, we'll see you next time.